is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. We are back in our Born on the Beach studios, and we have a special guest with us today. Uh, we have a founding partner of the new P1440 tour, sort of. If you've been following Carrie Walsh and Casey Jennings, you will have heard about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot more than a tour, so it's kind of... How would you describe it, Dave? Not a tour. Right, not right. a tour, so... I would... I would it, it takes two... It has two manifestations. One of them is a digital experience or a digital platform, which is going to have content, tools, resources. I can go to that later. And an event series, which one could call a tour. I wouldn't. Uh, this year, we're going to have four in the U.S. And our calendar year, our annual season is going to start in technically... July and run through June of next year. So we're going to have four at the end of this calendar year and four at the beginning of next calendar year. The differentiator, I think, on the digital side is the the whole business is built on four pillars. Competition, development, health and wellness, and entertainment. Competition is what you guys do. Pro Beach Volleyball at the highest level. Exciting, entertaining, engaging, etc. Development is really feeding and fueling the youth, those that want to improve their game, their skills, and those that want to improve themselves without a ball or a net, not necessarily focused exclusively on volleyball. Health and wellness, pretty self-explanatory, but you'd be surprised uh, what kind of movement is out there in order, uh, toward being more healthy generally yeah. as an individual. I mean, Corporations I'm, are promoting it. I, I for sure uh, have, I mean, being I've stepped away from the sport for about a year now and completely committed to that health and wellness, and I'm like, my mind's exploding with how, how big and how trendy that is right now. If you're not healthy and you're not well, what do you really have? And everything is digital. Everything is fast, whether it's the food or the processing of information. Uh, people need to uh, have those, those, the sensory experience. The health and wellness comes with that. Uh, it's kind of from the inside out, mind, body, and spirit in that particular pillar. And then the entertainment being the last one is kind of where we enjoy ourselves, whether it's social, food and drink, uh, live entertainment, speaker series, some, some, some entertainment, but also some education. So those four pillars are both digitally experienced and also manifested physically in these four events this year that you'll, that you'll be able to uh, enjoy starting in Chicago. Cool. And Chicago is in September? September. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then September, and then we have, I think I read it was San Jose Bay, yep. San Diego, and Huntington. Yep. And then the locations for the four... In early 2019, still yet to come out. Still yet to come out um, for sure. We're going to do Vegas. Um, yes, finally, I, I get definitely, def- definitely going to do a major city in Texas. I was kind of leaning toward Houston, but Dallas is calling as well. Um, Miami, South Florida, and I'd like to do one in Hawaii personally. I think it. I mean, the representation in the volleyball community from Hawaii, pound for pound, is the greatest of any state. Even though, yeah. California has a domination of, of players. No, we'll, we also we'll, have 35 we'll million people here, and Hawaii has four. So <laughs> pound for pound, Hawaii is... Look, yeah. at, uh, look at the top, our national team right now, and look at the top 10 players, at least on the men's side. We're from Flo- two guys from Florida. Stafford's from the middle, middle, uh, Midwest. <laughs> I'm from, uh, uh, there's three of us from Hawaii. I'm putting myself in there since... Yeah, you should be. I'm going to be back in there. Where um, else would you put yourself? Right, yeah. Uh, who else is there? There's really not that many guys from a California. Of, a lot of transplants. I mean, you, I mean, you could even include Billy. Oh, uh, Ryan Doherty's from the East Coast. Billy Allen's probably he's a Cali guy. But just saying. I mean, it's a beautiful place <laughs> year round. It has great weather. 
um, the culture of the sport, both California and Hawaii, I think are represented in what we see, Mm -hmm. you know, at the Olympics or if we go to an AVP or any kind of volleyball tournament and we'd love to go there. So we're going to try to make that work. So those are the four, uh, most likely stops. Well, it's super exciting. You know, we were talking before we were recording, we're talking about that the competition is definitely a good thing. And I think it's always good to have sort of another player in the game, in this case, the beach volleyball game. And we'll get into the sort of minutiae, and you mentioned the digital content. I kind of want to start with just sort of the basics and laying the groundwork for how this sort of movement platform came about. You know, yeah. so how did you begin starting to work with Carrie and Casey and, and really getting the ball rolling on this thing? Because it moved fast. You know, it wasn't yeah. that long ago that Carrie was playing and dominating on the AVP tour, and now we have this new platform out that is already gaining a lot of momentum and she was on the today show yeah yeah well um if you go back a year from now i wasn't involved even if you go back probably 10 months i was just kind of getting familiar with some of the uh player relations some of the um contentious points between uh the business and the players and we've all and we can talk about that later understood the financial and economic challenges the players have had so um, having or seeing or reading about Kerry not being on the tour anymore was kind of compelled the question as to why I talked to Fernando, who's a close friend of mine, and we uh, spoke with Casey and Kerry, and I kind of got their perspective at that point. It was, I think, too little too late to kind of do something that would be along the lines of P1440. So over the summer, we started uh, reconnecting, understanding what the market opportunity was, and I built and sold the business from 2005 to the end of 16. so I'm technically retired and last year was kind of a figure out what I'm going to do next. Although I don't want to work as hard as I did. This is uh, something that was super intriguing and not only is it interesting and fun, but the opportunity I think is perfect in terms of timing, the media landscape, the sports landscape and what the players need, what the industry needs. Uh, We all know that every four years beach volleyball is highlighted. Uh, The ratings are great. People enjoy it. And then it goes away for three years. So kind of taking a little bit of a understanding of how the Olympics is constructed, it's really kind of its own version of a festival, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these elements the of media. And then within that festival, within that environment, you have all the international uh, influence, you have all the skill of all these athletes in different sports, and then whatever it is that you're drawn to, you watch. Well, we clearly as a society are drawn to beach volleyball. We watch it. It's rated extremely high every four years. But as a standalone business, we just think it's challenged, and the proof has been in you know, the evolution of the sport the last 30 or 40 years economically to make it. So this is really an attempt to take the sport at the kernel or the core and build around it, both physically and digitally, to make it more financially viable, not only for the players, but for the business so we can get it going, going forward. Our goal is to attract non-volleyball players and active members of society that relatively have little interest in, in volleyball. The current volleyball community... We want to service them at the highest level. We want to elevate it economically. We want to make it more fun. We want to celebrate what's great now. But really, it's about net new growth to the sport. And I don't know if we've seen that in this country. And I think we can do it. And you mentioned that you were looking for a new project, you know, something to work on next. What made you decide upon this one? Because you mentioned that, you know, you might not have wanted to work as hard as you did on your old business. Um, But traditionally, just in the history of of beach volleyball, it's definitely, it hasn't been an easy path, you know, since, you know, since 76, when the first professional event was held, I think the AVP has gone bankrupt twice. We've seen the NBL 
or collapse more. and or more. Uh, Jose Cuervo came in and out. And Corona came in and out. So why this one? Well, if we, were, if we were going to start tomorrow a new pro beach volleyball tour, we would fail. So that's why we're not starting a new pro beach <laughs> volleyball tour. We're taking the sport of volleyball and we are uh, celebrating it. We're building around it. And we're taking everything that in this economy, this highly competitive U.S. economy, the largest economy, most complex and wonderful in the world, and we're seeing what makes sense, what works, and what doesn't in any business, in any vertical. And we're applying some principles of things that have worked and do work to this. Huh. Is, uh, how big is volleyball? Like I know it's competition is one of the pillars, yeah. and that's volleyball. Yeah. But how big is it compared to the... Uh, the wellness part of each, it, each pillar that supports the platform both digitally and physically is going to have even weight, even amount, even amount of time, attention, resources, financial investment. And we know that we're going to attract people on the entertainment side by the lineup of music talent on a weekend. And we know we're going to attract people to the professional sport of beach volleyball through the competition right. pillar. What's going to be the most uh, attractive part of your tour for the players? Ooh, well, the current schedule and future schedule, frankly, are going to be incremental and accretive to the existing schedule. So we're going to work around AVP. Mm-hmm. We're going to work around the four and five star FAVB events. And we are going to create net new additional dollars for the players. New ter- more tournaments, more money. And it may be a different experience. I'm not going to say it's going to be the same experience. It's going to be different. We think it's going to be better, but we're really not in competition. We want to celebrate uh, the roots of pro beach volleyball and the AVP and what they're doing today. And we want to build on top of it and around it and make it uh, generally better for the sport. And I think that different is probably good because we've seen the same model tried over and over and over again. And Carrie described it as part wanderlust, part Coachella, part volleyball league. I actually love that. I, I, when I saw that, I was like, we haven't used that before. Yeah, which sounds, I like I mean, it. It sounds like a party. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Believe me, I, when we were constructing the business model, I was insistent that there was some entertainment in this thing, right? You know, after, after all that time in health and wellness and developing yourself and playing and focusing on uh, improving your you mind, body, and spirit, you got to enjoy a little bit. Yeah. Do some socializing. There's nothing wrong with that. Plus, live music is uh, proven to be a very successful business model. Uh, yeah, so country. I guess elaborate a little bit on the, the live music portion of it. So I know that each event isn't necessarily a beach volleyball tournament. It's more festival, I guess. I would say kinda... you would definitely identify it more with a festival than you would a volleyball tournament. I don't like the word festival either, only because it seems a little too, you know, happy party, right. yeah. hang out for three days and, you know, definitely if you think don't of shower like, for three days and <laughs> do some, some <laughs> things that may not be legal. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but... Uh, yes, it's going to, it's a 10, it's a 10 acre site plan. Granted, it flexes and changes based on the location. Uh, we're going to have a lifestyle village. We're going to have an interactive. We're going to have anything we can do to help continue to promote health and wellness and f- on the physical side too. We're going to people engaged, physically engaged. Clearly, uh, the volleyball footprint, I think there's going to be like seven courts set up, a uh, feature court, a uh, stadium court. And then of course the, uh, the stage and the appropriate, um, infrastructure to support that. Will the, will the players be, uh, obviously I'm, I'm a player, so I'm speaking from that perspective a lot, but will the players be a part of, uh, the whole wellness part, the, the wellness side of it, the, obviously we're not going to be entertaining in that way and like singing or anything, but (laughs) I don't know. Well, do you, 
a plan on like collaborating and have the players being a part of there's guess, abso- there's it? absolutely no doubt that principally the business model is to give more and to get more both from the fans the community the players right. ownership i mean i'd be over there like ice bathing and and doing yoga yeah and i've stuff, been challenged probably. with that six minute ice bath from K- casey and carrie i guess like it was introduced I by did laird and gabby and yeah. i'm like I, if i could do 30 seconds i would be stoked i've, I've done sounds, it it's it's quite challenging is minute one more difficult than minute four yes oh. although six minutes that's really long at a certain point you just kind of stop losing feeling and you're just there. Yeah, no, the longer you go, the kind of easier it gets, to be honest, because you legit just go numb. Your body's like, I guess we're dying, so yeah. I'm just going to relax. Might as well enjoy this last few minutes. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm curious as to just the, I guess, it, let's walk through a week of the event. So does this, does the event begin on like a Monday, end on a Sunday? Or is it? Yeah. Is like so I don't know the details of the logistics, but the good news is, like any business person, if you want to be successful, you hire experts mm-hmm. in subject matters that you don't have expertise in, and you uh, engage them, and you give them goals, and you say, "This is what we have. This is what we have to do," and they figure out how to do it. So we hired a lady from Life is Beautiful, which is a huge two-block festival in September in Vegas. One of the coolest things I've ever been to. Very different than that, but. Uh, she's running logistics for us and operations, and she's got it wired down to the grain of sand and square foot. Um, it's definitely a th- two to three day build out, I think, and a one and a half day teardown. But it's gonna it's gonna consume a location for six or seven days. Yeah. Okay. And then is is the say so the the concert will that be coinciding with the tournament? So imagine a schedule um, like you were going to a conference and your tie with your little badge and you know. You work for a corporation. There will be an agenda, and it's going to start Friday in the afternoon at noon or one, and it's going to go all the way through sunset on Sunday. And we'll try our very best to not conflict between musical talent, performance, and live volleyball. You obviously have earlier games in the tournament that are going to be, there's going to be more of them, and there's going to be some conflict, but we're going to space it out. And we're also going to give um, all these different journeys that you can take, ways you can approach the three days, you know, from the highly engaged to the just cruising and um, either way, we will make sure that the talent is uh, clearly separated from the competition side when we're playing, you know, the semis or the finals. Um, again, we want to have speaker series. We want to do morning yoga. We want to have all the things that in- engage people, but also fill out the cycle of a day from morning to noon to night times two and a half. Huh. And now with... With all the other components too, so I'm really curious about the the digital stuff mm-hmm. too, because I think that that's one of the shortcomings, one of the major shortcomings of our sport. And you guys are venturing well outside beach volleyball too. You're talking about wellness and health overall. Mm-hmm. So, what are just some of the things that you plan on unrolling? Um, you know, if you're willing to kind of put that information forward. Yeah, just, some of it I can give you specifics, and some of it I'll give you generalities. Right, and then of course we hope some things add to the platform that we haven't even thought of yet that are awesome, right? <clears throat> like podcasts from industry experts on volleyball that are regularly being featured on our site, yeah. for example. <laughs> um, certainly live stream, uh, delivering the sport, uh, not only as you would see it on linear broadcast, but also through some sophisticated technology and some ways to measure it. Um, we're looking at some wearables uh, uh, technology. We're looking at companies like Intel to help us with uh, more interesting viewpoints and fan uh, engagement certainly want to uh, without getting 
cheesy. We want to gamify it a bit. And I say that because we, there's a lot of people that follow baseball, right? Well, it's a statistically heavy sport and the stats almost drive the sport more than the sport drives the sport. And volleyball is pretty interesting in terms of things that you can measure in competition. And we want to take a little bit of a, an approach to that statistically. Our statistics are tragic, by the way. It's it's the worst in professional sports. Yeah. So it's it's music to my ears. yeah, Yeah. It's really bad. I mean, they're starting to measure like velocity off the bat you know, in, in baseball. Well, I had the basketball ones too. Now they got chips in the players' jerseys. And it's yeah. like, how many times did you accelerate and stop and yeah. run down the court and like stuff that like players just like, are like, what you're tracking that? Like how many times I smiled or something? I don't know. I'm sure yeah. they have that stat. Probably. Well, it's super interesting. I bet you the players that are, have the best record have the most efficient, you know, energy utilization. Yeah, and one of the one of the cool things that the FIVB does is they have I don't know how they do this. I think they might maybe put kind of a heart rate monitor around them during matches. Sometimes with the World Championships, they measured how many kcals they were expending per match, which the Polish guys were like fifteen hundred in a three set match against the Austrians. So, is are you looking at kind of stuff like that that you want to measure? Because I know that that would seem to coincide, go parallel with the health and wellness. Absolutely. Both in training and in in live performance. Um, Some of that might be some sort of statistical advantage to the team playing against them, you know, learning and understanding that that intel and and moving forward. But it it add a new element to it. I mean, it's not going to be something we're going to try to uh, engineer and pioneer in the first year to to blow the sport away. But we're moving in that direction and we have good partners to do it Um, on the. what was the original question again? What kind of content that's going to be unique and interesting? Right. So just so I mean, any in, in the development side, I'm really focused on um, skills and training and resources for players. Not so much at the pro level. You guys have coaches. You know what to do. It's about repetition and cycles and becoming a master of uh, the movement. Uh, it's more for weekend warriors and people that are developing, especially the youth. And I do see an indoor crossover to this to this pillar. Never would we really venture into the uh, on the competition side. There could be some streaming and licensing. There could be some representation through our live stream of indoor, but it would never be thing we would focus on. It's really about the youth. It's really about developing with and without ball, which I think is an important thing too. Because if, if someone's going to engage on our platform and get those resources, go to our events, but they just simply don't like volleyball, we still want to have something for them because the overwhelming majority of the population doesn't play volleyball. Right. And is this too, so, I mean, we have the grassroots of beach volleyball is exploding with kind of the introduction of the college game too. Mm-hmm. Is there, are you also kind of venturing into say other sports just to embrace the whole health and wellness? So say like, you know, basketball or you mentioned indoor volleyball, or are you just kind of trying to focus it on the game of volleyball in general? To, today it's just the game of volleyball. Cause we think there's so much more lift in terms of engagement, uh, physically viewers, uh, the youth developing uh, the, the college players into something maybe a little more viable that they don't have to work two or three jobs economically. I think the format and the formula for what we're doing could absolutely invite other sports in very easily into the footprint physically, also the digital platform for sure. Question is which sport? You know, we're always studying other sports and seeing what works and what doesn't. You know, WSL scares us because it is a great sport, just like beach volleyball. People love the culture of surfing. They love the, the, the people. They love physically doing it. Yeah, I follow But it, it financially struggles, and it has, and it probably always will. It's different than volleyball because it's at a fixed location. You're, you're, you're totally dependent on the waves. Yeah. 
and the weather and that beach. So you can't take, well, I guess you can, maybe Kelly built a wave pool, right? You, I guess you could bring the, the waves to Chicago Which or whatever. Which is barely but surfing. Well, yeah, it's tough. It, you know, so, so WSL is super interesting. Culturally, there's an overlap, you know, uh, born from the beaches, similar, similar, uh, I've always it. been, I've, I mean, I've probably one of the only WSL fans that plays beach volleyball <laughs> and I actually go to a lot of events and the setups at our events blow theirs out of the water. Wow. There's, I don't know, like it's, it's easier sport to follow for me. Like I can go on the WSL app and I can watch, I can know who the number one in the world is, men, women, I can read articles, I can, mm-hmm. you know, follow the tour, know exactly where they're at all like in one place i feel like our sports really confusing in that sense like so what they've done on the <clears throat> on the digital side is great in right. fact we've been modeling it and emulating it to some extent some of the architecture of what we're building we are working with three or four different companies one of them was their engineers that built uh, wsl site but they've done some great things i just struggle um to see that ever rolling up into kind of what we're doing because of the geographic limitations, but it's a great sport. It's a great culture. The way that they're doing it now is as best as it can be done. Right. It's just, you know, it's a tough go. Look at the, the living that these surfers are making. Um, First of all, their prize money is way better. They don't have to split it in two. Yeah. So they all get their money. (laughs) They don't have to split it with their partner. And then their sponsorships are out of this world because surf industry is an industry. Yeah. Volleyball industry is not a thing. Well, when I was in high school, we used to have Side Out, Red Sand, Massimo, and there was actually volleyball right, gear. Okay. And I'm old, but I'm not like grandpa old. <laughs> um, that was in the early 90s. Yeah. So where'd that all go? You're listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. This podcast is also brought to you by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals, which offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Fort Lauderdale for the first major in February or to the Outrigger Canoe Club in Hawaii, (laughs) you're up to California. Choose to rest now luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. Good question. I also don't know how our sport exists, really. Like, I, all I hear is that, that t- tours tend to just not make money at all. So I'm like, so if we're getting paid and the tour is losing money, then how does, how does this even exist? But that's just me not understanding the business behind it. You need revenue. And that's, that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was that, so the business model for volleyball has traditionally been sponsors, you know, kind of run up a tab, have the sponsors pay for it until sponsors don't pay for it anymore. And then the tour goes bankrupt until we get, you know, kind of a new funding pretty much. So I read that, you know, you guys are kind of, the digital platform will be a subscription based. Is that correct? Yeah. Good question. Um, yes and no, not for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. So kind of getting an insight into the, to the under the underlying business concept is you aggregate users, you give them original and licensed content. 
you fulfill them with tools and resources in a way to be happy. We want, we want to be the fourth or fifth most used app on their phone, for example. And then the sad reality is eventually you have to monetize that and you can monetize that through, you know, a subscription or some other ways you can add sales, a variety of things you can do. I think a small subscription fee, uh, probably around 19 to 20 click over in the calendar is probably what we're budgeting for. At some point, um, we do have to pay for the content that we're creating. We have advertisers and brand partners, and that's kind of the more traditional method. But the scalability of what we're doing on the digital side is infinite. The scalability of a physical event is very finite. You can only do 10, 12, 14. If you're a rock star, you could do 20, maybe, in mm-hmm. a year. <clears throat> Our ambition isn't that much or that high on the physical side, on the event series, but on the digital side, we could scale, license internationally, and we could have tens of millions of users on the platform ultimately. Our ambition is 4 million by the end of 21, sorry, 2021. So going into 22, 4 million. And at that point it would be paid. Now, is that realistic? The paid part might be the challenge. 4 million vary, especially with the international audience. I think, and I don't know this for a fact from a volleyball perspective, but I know because I built and traveled, I built a business and traveled all over the world. People don't admire America because we're so much smarter or better. They love, they love our marketing. They love the products that we create, our creativity. And just like Hollywood, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, very representative of what people like about our country. We are dynamic and interesting and bold and creative. So I think the volleyball probably is that more here. Maybe not. And so the, the subscription a couple years down the road is one stream of revenue I'm assuming, maybe incorrectly, that there might be a gate charge for, for, oh, for festivals. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Let that me, would let seem me, like a lot to give away for free. Which yeah, is let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop you right there. One hundred percent for sure. It's going to be forty bucks to get in the event. One hundred percent. Not for the players, though, right? The players. Get, that's kind of a they thing. Get a, they get a two dollar discount. It's a mail in rebate. That's situation a real thing. <laughs> players. Players in our sport tend to ask a lot about the parking fees and how much the meters will cost us. Yeah. That is, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm hearing stories about players that are traveling to China, playing in tournaments, making 1500 bucks and spending three, three grand to get there. And you're like, hmm, do that 20 more times and you'll be broke or maybe. And, and you right get now. to work out at USA Volleyball. Congrats. Yeah. Free gym membership. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love you, for you guys to answer me a question. I never get this right because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many volleyball players? Are there in the United States? How many people play? Are we talking like just weekend weekend warriors once uh, a year at a you know barbecue at Fourth of July, whatever. Well, first thing I would say is it's eighty five percent female. I would guess, and mostly indoor. Because yes, volleyball in general, combining indoor and beach is the most the most popular sport for girls. Numbers wise, it's just, it's an objective measurement. So that's at least several million. Then you include males, which mostly recreational. And then you have the occasional people who are crazy enough to go to China, win a tournament, still come out in the red. I would say probably maybe 500,000 males total. Just recreational weekend warriors and everything. That's a low number. And there's probably... 20 individuals who are making a full-time living doing it and that even that, that might be yeah maybe in not the states even. that's probably overestimating it if you're on the u.s national team plus playing on a domestic 
tour making money like that and you have sponsors yeah probably not even 20 individuals that don't have a side job at least which is pretty sad my uh, bodyguard over there fernando is looking up the statistics <laughs> right now we were shooting way higher than 20 million mm-hmm. over 20 million i'd love to reconcile that it's important mm-hmm. how do you measure growth if you don't know where you're at today right now we keep talking about the, the beach volleyball you know uh the pros and then we then we talk about the sport and we carve out an indoor from that so now we got some numbers what do you see well, over there try 46 million americans who play volleyball uh worldwide there are 800 million people who play volleyball at least once a week yeah wow we got a stats guy now this there we go nice. <laughs> we're official For now. it's like, it's like um, a part not, of the interruption you not know, just good looks checker. also uh, <laughs> yeah. i've I mean, yeah, I totally believe that. I'll, I'll go. I've been overseas where people are coming up with my picture and like having me autograph like pictures of me playing, and that just doesn't happen in the U.S. Maybe, you know, if you're at the Manhattan Open or like some of our big events, you have some big fans. But out there, we got random people that know about us. Obviously, Carrie's known worldwide for winning her to four Olympic medals. Um, but yeah, it's definitely bigger over there. Uh, Either I mean, way, there's. 46 between let's just call it between 20 and 46 for sake of argument right. that's a lot of people it's right. not a make-believe sport it's not a fringe sport it's not it's not an up-and-coming x game it's a real sport it's right. substantial it needs to be consolidated organized and rewarded these players need to spend full time on their craft not a third of their time they need to make more than minimum wage which mm-hmm. effectively might even be generous for some of what they're making for sure and so we're going to add to the existing revenue opportunities for them so that they make more hundred percent hundred percent you're going to make more if we if avp has eight tournaments and we have four let's just say we ramp to eight which is our plan for 19 that's already 16 tournaments which is double the opportunity to make money and if we're focused on winning medals then our players need to go overseas and win there too playing against the best in the world Mm -hmm. and as i understand it the best in the world I hope I don't offend anybody here. Uh, the inter- how about this? The international players are getting better every year than they were the year before, and we're not necessarily uh, keeping pace with that. If, if, a, if you go overseas and you play a five-star FAVB, is the competition tougher or easier? It's oh, it's tough. loaded. Way tougher it's loaded. overseas. Why, why, is it, why, why is that? You're the, playing the, the all-stars from each country. Right. Well, that's what the Olympics is. So if you're going to play in the well, Olympics. Well, not really. Well, oh, no? It is. The, Travis the Olympics <laughs> can get diluted because there's a country quota. Hmm. So if it were a true best in the world, Got we'd it. probably have five American teams and five Brazilian. But the hmm. Olympics, you know, the International Olympic Committee obviously doesn't want to see that. So they limit it to two from each country. Got so it. the Olympics, the, if you want to see like the best of the best of the best, mm-hmm. that would be the world championships of beach volleyball every year, which I think you can get four from each country. Host country might get an extra. Yeah, so we yeah. had three teams on the men's side qualify for Rio. Two went. And then on the women's side, do we have three qualif- qualify? No, we had two qualify for the women. But I'm sure Brazil would have had like four teams in there. But speaking to the, the point that you were making, though, is that the world has certainly caught up. Yep. Yeah. So in, in the world championships, there in the quarterfinals, there were eight teams from eight different countries, hmm. which is kind of crazy to think about. When you, you look back at 1996, the first Olympic Games that beach volleyball was in, and there was just no question that the Americans were going to take gold and silver. It was just a matter of who took bronze. I want us to get better. 
on an international scale. I plan on changing that, by the way. Pretty soon. That's why I like this guy. You're going to win two, two golds? Yeah. Two. Indoor and outdoor in the same Olympics? I heard I can do it on the snow now. You hear about that? They're doing yeah, snow. Let's talk about that for a minute. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing more ridiculous that I've read in the last one week. I will absolutely go to the Winter Olympics if they let me play snowboard. Sure. <laughs> but does that not feel like more like a gimmick than a than a real sport? Oh, totally. But you but play with gloves or no gloves? But then Glove or, gloves or no gloves? Hundred percent gloves. I'm trying for to me. think of because there was an exhibition in Pyeongchang, and I, I think they wore gloves. I think you'd have to. I'll wear gloves. But if you look sure. at like curling. Can you imagine the footing? Can you imagine? I think there's little grips. The they have like snowshoe. Uh, yeah, little spikes. Snowshoe spikes. <laughs> this is for real. Someone's really doing this. Yeah, there is, yeah. There is a, a real exhibition with the goal to be in, I think, 2026 was what they're looking at, trying to get it in, if it gets passed. But there are so many, so many steps they still need to take to get it into the Olympics. If it does, it would be really interesting it's the really the only word i can pick right now <laughs> well i think that the uh like the figure skating whatever federation is going to start promoting some sort of concrete version of that or something in the summer months here in la yeah it's oh, like, it'll be it's roller, roller it'll be roller skating roller skating there you go <laughs> roller figure skating no but roller derby is a real sport that's real i mean there's some wwe in it but it's yeah. at least it's a so we have so we're trying to build build the international presence so and i know that the the avp and usav do not do a great job of that right now how would you make that different or improve upon well if we if we want to have the best volleyball at our events on display competing at the highest level with all the sweat drama and grit that you guys all have we have to have international teams there right agreed Okay, so the plan is to have four of each gender invited in a kind of a rotating manner to keep it new and fresh. Uh, there's tons of international teams. There's lots of depth. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be showcasing the international talent, making sure that our players are playing sharp and high-level volleyball. Um, and if we achieve our goal at P1440 along with USAV, AVP, and the other uh, national you know, resources for volleyball, then we will make our players better they'll make more money they can focus on their craft and they're win, they'll win more medals in tokyo that's the goal that's how we measure success right that's a i mean yeah as as a player that's kind of the biggest thing for me is like how can i in some ways how can it be worth my time to train and be a professional athlete at the highest level i don't train maybe not none of a lot of no one in beach volleyball trains like and maybe carries kind of carry in april have kind of been the epitome of it but Nobody trains like Kevin Durant and LeBron and these guys. Why? Because we're not incentivized to do so. Uh, we kind of have to invest a ton of our resources on our own. We're not getting paid that much, so a lot of us don't have the resources. Um, but if we are getting paid to go out and do triple-day practices and put in all that time, then then we're going to so do there's, that. So but there's, if we're there's, booking flights and doing all this other stuff. So we need more opportunities for them... <clears throat> for you mm-hmm. to play and to earn money. But we also need there to be more money in the prize money at each event. And we have to And the way that better. that money goes up is we raise the level of awareness, impressions, attendance so that the sponsors can look at their financial models and say, "Yeah, this makes sense. You are 
your viewership or fan base is extending across these verticals, across these demographics, and we're willing to step up for significantly more money. And until we raise the level of the tide that rises all boats, the sport will continue to suffer financially. You're listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. This podcast is also brought to you by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals, which offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Fort Lauderdale for the first major in February or to the Outrigger Canoe Club in Hawaii, (laughs) you're up to California. Choose to rest now luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. The way uh, a lot of the times when I think about it, I'm like, if the tourist thought of, there's a lot of value in the tour or for the tour to think of the players in terms of making us more valuable so we can go sell ourselves mm-hmm. more so than you guys just having to pay us straight up. You know, if you guys can invest in us in our value, then we can use that and, and we'll be stoked to, you know, play for the tour and collaborate and all that. But I kind of just don't like the idea of us always like looking at the tour, like, Hey, where's the money? Pay us more, pay us more. You know, that's why I kind of like a lot of us have to reach out and do podcast stuff and like start doing stuff on the business side of things. Cause you're we preaching can, the good word. You have to absolutely help grow the sport by reaching out and making it compelling and interesting to watch and listen to you. Yeah. The communication between tours. And again, I don't want to call P1440 a tour, but I think that that's probably the vernacular that a lot of players will use for a while. The communication between the NVL and the AVP was notoriously just kind of nil there was none between that have has there been any communication between you guys and the avp just to try to cooperate because you mentioned that you were doing cooperative scheduling you weren't butting heads with avp you weren't butting heads with four and five stars so there's communication there's heavy communication between the governing bodies including usav and fivb there is some communication with the avp and when i say working with that might be us working around more than maybe putting more effort into that in the short term than they are um i tons of respect for them, what they're doing. Uh, we want them to thrive. We want them to grow with us because, again, it'll help the sport uh, overall become more financially viable. Um, yeah. Now, have you, I, I believe that I read something that Carrie either wrote or said that you, you also have designs on taking this international. Now, did you mean bringing international players here, or hosting an event yeah. somewhere internationally? <laughs> Yeah. I don't want to say I wish you didn't say that, but no. Um, <laughs> year year three, we, we have a pretty solid business plan that gets us uh, to Tokyo. Um, it doesn't involve any international um, sites that are verified, planned, confirmed today. Um, international expansion is absolutely in the sec- kind of second phase of growth of the organization if things go uh, how we plan them to go. But when you step over an international border, it becomes much more difficult to operate. Um, your 
you're, you're the jurisdiction of another country. Right. Other rules and regs, other employment laws, other, you know, some, some sponsors and brand partners here may not even have that product or service available in Canada or Australia. <clears throat> it's definitely an ambition, though. And in, in terms of international uh, players coming to play at our events, oh, yeah. I mean, huge, a huge aspiration and focus is absolutely to have international players come. Uh, the hope is four teams per gender, four qualifiers, 16 in the main draw, which makes 24, right? Something like that. Mm. <clears throat> and that'll be plenty of volleyball, plenty of competition, plenty, plenty of high-level competition, and uh, I think people will be stoked. What about the players that are under this AVP contract? What's kind of the hope? What are the hopes for? What are you hoping the players do, you know? Well, I'm, I can't speak or will speak to the contract. I can say that <clears throat> our event series is open to every good high-level pro volleyball player in the world to play. When I say open, we know there's a process. So Right. Yeah, yeah. Fernando's doing some strategic filming over there. So <laughs> keep an eye on him. And now you are businessman on entrepreneur. You know better than anyone at this table that startups tend to have a couple of hiccups you know, in, in, the first, okay. in the early goings. So what hiccups do you anticipate running into? And I'm sure that you probably Weather. have fail-safes. Weather. Well, well, yeah, weather. <clears throat> At least you're not doing the WSO where you're waiting for a swell to come in. Oh. You have like a two-week waiting the period. The live stream of 10-minute wave intervals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hiccups. I think the individual sites have certain requirements in certain cities and municipalities that are more binding than others. So I think kind of um, the biggest challenge is going to be keeping this um, site plan formula and the flow with a varying uh, floating location. Like what we're going to do in San Diego is incredible, but it's on a really long, skinny strip, like in this really tight spot, but it's a beautiful spot. You'll see. Um, so probably site and site logistics related. If we, um, our short-term goal is 100,000 members on our platform by the end of the year, and those would be, you know, obviously unpaid. If we fell way short of that, that would be disappointment. Sure. Because that would mean the content that we've created and the um, resources we're providing are either not sticky or useful in the future. Because, I mean, just like anything else, if someone comes to a tournament or a, any event that you put on and they come and stay for two hours and then leave, that's a fail. If somebody signs up for whatever service you're providing and then they never visit, that's a fail. Mm-hmm. So um, our commitment is to not only get people but to retain them. I mean, client loyalty is how everything is measured in life. Not... It's a formula. You can spend money to get people to anything. It's, do they come back? Do they spend money? That's what we need people to do. And I mean, like you were talking about the players giving back, we need the players to engage at a better and different degree fans than other sports do. Right. Half of beach volleyball, besides its awesomeness on the court, is the culture. We talked about Hawaii and California. I mean, whenever I travel east or out of the country, you know, people love the lifestyle we have. And so I kind of want to give you a chance to tell our listeners where they can find you guys. So is it p1440.com? Yeah, we just have a landing page right now that is more or less aggregating uh, and getting information for individuals to keep regular updates, socials going, social media and all that. We've got um, uh, magazines and media sources that are putting out weekly or daily almost uh, pieces. And then the website will be up and running uh, I think mid March, but that's the website. So I'm referring to the digital platform. 
not as a website. Okay. Even though ultimately it's just a really robust website, but the platform is July one. The event series starts in September. And again, our cycle is July through June, four and four, four before the end of the year, four before uh, June of 2019. Okay. And then in terms of just, so I know that just the, the beach volleyball community is definitely anticipating. Everyone's always just kind of wondering when more information is going to be out. Do you kind of have a, a schedule just when you plan on sort of releasing certain pieces of information? Obviously, we've kind of unveiled a fair amount here. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you coming on with us. Mm-hmm. But do you have sort of a schedule when to kind of give out some details? of? So yeah. the good news and the bad news is we've hired a professional public relations company in San Diego that gets to, to determine the, the cycles and the release dates and the flow. Um, so they'll be uh, releasing stuff weekly at this point. It's been daily, but it'll slow down to like a weekly cycle. And so is that, is that on an email list that someone could say subscribe to for sure? Yeah. That's really what the landing page is now is just to get email updates. There's Instagram updates and whatever other social media. I'm not into social media, but I know it's powerful. It reaches a lot of people, but there's a lot of crap information out there too right? right so i think you know separating the wheat from the shaft is one of the major things that we want to do is we don't just want people to sign up and just get uh, our information they want to actually read it and retain it and apply it and i think you know what i didn't talk about enough i don't know if this is wrapping up but um having carrie and casey as partners in this mm-hmm. and there's nobody in the world that i think does a better job of living what they preach the greatest volleyball player of all time accomplishing what she has with her and her family and putting all of that on the line for the sport and then putting it behind this business, the energy, the principles, the character, it's unparalleled and unbelievable. I don't know very many pro athletes. So I can't, you know, compare, mm-hmm. but what I see and what I've experienced with her and them, anybody that wouldn't be behind them in this, I, I can't really comprehend it. What was, um, your old business that you were in? <laughs> it's not very sexy. Uh, shipping. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, um, I went to Orange Coast for two years, went up to Westmont for three, graduated. It's been about 10 years of my life in Santa Barbara, the rest in Orange County. And um, I took a job, moved to Chicago for two winters and one summer. It was way too cold for me. Came back, took a backpack, traveled around the world, realized that I uh, wanted to do something international. So came back, worked for a Canadian transportation company because Canada's international, right? <laughs> Um, and saw e-commerce, you know, like what Amazon does and other e-commerce companies shipping across the border to the world, UPS commercials, all that. And I built a company that was competing basically with the big integrated couriers like FedEx and UPS. And so I did an international outbound shipping company. And ultimately, I sold it to the Belgian post office, which is another not very interesting wow. part of my <laughs> career. Well, we've, we've covered most of the macro, and I think a lot of the micro details will, be, will come out as as it goes on, as, as we get closer to it, just in terms of like what ball we'll use and that sort of thing and just how the digital platform will work. I just wanted to make sure, is there anything that you want to cover that we haven't yet? Anything that you want to discuss that we haven't brought up yet? Oh yeah. Why would someone not want to play on at an event like what we're putting together? It's a good question. I mean, so assuming we're going to go where they can make a good living, like you exactly. said, it's America. You're going to try to do the best you can for you and your family and, and make a great living. Yeah. Um, obviously you got to look long term, and you also have to, there's also a trust thing here with a lot of players. I will say, you know, 
until we see it in front of us and it's proof like okay here no here's the opportunity then we can go but if if it was you know we we have to commit to our training and and everything beforehand so i think i mean people are going to do what makes sense for them personally and it's not selfish it's just the way that life is we're actually considering that in everything that we do that the players have an economic incentive and they're rewarded for their focus hard work training we're just trying to replace that third or fourth job that they have with you know an opportunity to earn money at our events and because we're working so uh diligently to work around these four and five stars which is a little harder than the avp8 those are pretty pretty firmly scheduled Mm -hmm. um i think it shows an effort and goodwill to the players. And there's a bunch of other things we have in the, in the uh, development pipeline to help the players. And we really want them to make more money so that we can be satisfied with our efforts. So the current uh, schedule that they play can be rewarded. And um, at the end of the day, it's going to take a village certainly, but we've got some really good fresh ideas that are, that are going to scale. And Um, is it too early to elaborate on some of the, the fresh ideas? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I think just, just you know, kind of reflecting on past competing tours, players seem to go where the where the talent goes because they they want to play against the best. And I think that that's where you bringing in say Allison and Bruno for a tournament. You know, who doesn't want to crack at the gold medalist? And that was I think one of the failures of the NVL was that when the AVP came back in 2012. Phil Dahlhauser and Todd Rogers went back to the AVP and everyone wanted to beat those guys. So they followed them. So I think that it's more, I think talent is one of the biggest dominoes. So does the talent of the top players go where the money is? And that's, I think that's kind and of, then the, the, kind and of then the other the top thing. players go follow the top, top players. Well, there's also players that will be like, Oh, there's leftover money over here. So I'm going to go collect these first place checks here. While Only they in go. a scenario where there's two events on the same date though. Or, yeah. or, you if you ha- or if you're under contract and you have to pick, uh, you know, to play on one or the other, then you have people like, okay, we're going to leave and go play over here. And other people will be like, okay, then I'll clean up over here because I can go win tournaments while you guys are gone. Um, I mean, we have, we have to make that decision on the world tour. When the world tour and AVPs are, are conflicting, uh, some players will stay home and, and try to win an AVP rather than going overseas and collecting points there. Yeah. How could the sport be um, more exciting for the viewer, in your view, in your opinion? It's a not very the, good not question. Not the volleyball fan, me, just the viewer when I'm watching it. How can it be more exciting? I think there's a lot to the sport that, and, and I've gotten feedback doing broadcasting this year. A lot of people were like, seem to be very appreciative of me pointing out the small nuances of the game that people don't realize are really difficult. Like, okay, yeah, the guy just dug the ball and, and sided out with a high line. It doesn't look that hard. Well, he, he dug the ball, and it was hard-driven ball, so there's a ton of spin on that ball. It went 30 feet in the air, and his partner just hand-set it. Like, there's no one at home that could go hand-set that ball, but we didn't even mention it. He made it look really easy, put it right on the spot, in rhythm with his partner, and then his partner had the vision to see the the other team moving around. So there's just small stuff that, that fans don't really understand. And obviously having the live streams getting better and better um, and the TVs getting, I guess, better. But yeah, just understanding how difficult these things are. And, and uh, 
I don't know, different camera angles is really cool. When we, when I went to World Champs, we have all these slow-mos and you're seeing the, like you're watching the blocker's fingers bend back as, mm-hmm. as they get hit. Um, and then we have the challenge system, which is really cool because um, now uh, players get to challenge and, and most of the time, 95% of the time, they're, they're actually legit getting the calls changed. So I thought, I thought those small things are really helping the what sport. What about tournament format? Is there any... I I always preferred double limb. Uh, I think that pool play is sort of a waste of time a lot of times because say you're in a weak pool where well, you can sort of coast through it and then you can get reseated and just get screwed even if you go. I think double elimination is just more a truer format. What about what about the personalities? I mean, I don't have a volleyball background, but again, I played in high school right when you know Hovland and. Who else was a fiery? Oh, Bradovich. Right. Yeah, all these guys. I remember guy. watching the Seal Beach Open in whatever, some 93 or something, and I was like, damn, that was awesome. There's so yeah. much emotion. So much. The fans are so into it. Fans are into it now, right? But for the viewer, I think at home, I think those big personalities are important. I think we need to capture the personalities, first of all, which is kind of what we're trying to do on the podcast. I'm like, I'd like the fans to see the real personalities that I travel overseas with, that I sit down at dinner with. Um, and not just like they play, they do a quick interview and that's all the fans see. But I also think, first of all, players can't fake it. You can't tell players to go out there, go, go be more fiery. Go, you know, we're focused on one thing and one thing only. Wear this black cape. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the more work we put in, the more that's on the line, you're going to get more out of us for sure. Um, and I don't know, it's all trickle down effect. I feel like. I think in terms of making the game more exciting and try kind of alluded to this is a information. I think that anything that you watch is exponentially more exciting when you understand what's happening. And there's not a lot of information on beach volleyball. I'm the only beach volleyball writer that I know, which is kind of a problem because no one really understands who the players are, where they've been. No one understands the rules. Uh, half the players, you know, sometimes like they can't really elaborate on a rule or what makes a set out of the net so good. It's like I'm watching the Winter Olympics right now. I'm covering them for Yahoo. And curling to me is the most boring sport in the world because I have no idea how hard curling can be. It's the same way golf used to be. It's until really a sport. Oh, right. <laughs> and It looks fun to drink a beer, though. <laughs> I want to drink a beer, beer and do some curling. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like an awesome but tailgate It's like a giant shuffleboard. Yeah, that or is cornhole is. or whatever. Yeah, it does sound fun, but as a recreational sport, yeah. Um, an example of like what you're talking about is, um, I think Major Series did it for a few events. They'll they'll have graphics on the court where it's showing the wind direction and like the mm. speed of it. So That's I don't know cool. if you play like golf video games, but they show you the yeah. you know the lie, and you can see like how fast the wind's going. Mm-hmm. That's huge for a viewer to understand that there's wind. Like, why is the guy? Why is the? T- why are the teams only jump serving from one side of the court? Because there's a huge wind coming into their face, and that makes the ball drop. It, it, you know, all players understand what that's going to do to the ball. For them to have a visual and like see and understand what's going on, and then also the sand temperature, which they put up sometimes. I've played in played in Yokohama where it was 115 degrees. And we're just dying. But if you watch it on TV, they can't really, you know, understand what we're going through and why we're dying after every single point or after every point. We just look like we're out of shape. 
and I think, like that. I think one element that beach volleyball is really missing the boat on, and you kind of mentioned something about this, is gamifying it. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that so many people watch baseball? Is it because they really care about baseball or because they have uh, an outfielder on their fantasy football team? I was just going to say the reason why the NFL 12 or 15 years ago got this huge bump in popularity was not fantasy football because that's been around a long time, but it used to be on a Monday morning you'd take the paper and you'd hand write all right. the stats and you'd calculate. Mm-hmm. But the web version of being able to electronically score a fantasy football team and like the direct tv red zone package where you can see every game anywhere any team plus fantasy it brought everyone's interest into it mm-hmm. people that don't give a crap about the packers are following aaron Rodgers, rooting for a touchdown that i mean they don't even you know like run that extra <laughs> the team wins but they you know whatever pass it on the one instead of run it in yeah. and someone's all pissed it's great it's great They've peaked clearly, and now they're dealing with another issue, which I think is great with our sport. I say our sport's really your sport. Uh, <laughs> concussions, you know, yeah. the joints, like knees and hips, right? I mean, vo- beach volleyball is great on your body, besides maybe your shoulder. Totally. Compared to football or some other yeah, contact Relatively, sports. beach volleyball, I mean, you're, you can look at John Hyden. He's playing at elite level at 45, 46. Yeah, I mean, the most, most of our top guy athletes are over 37 yeah, right? so that, that shows four, not five. only how physically gifted they are but their um their skill and the way that they've trained and taken care of themselves to be able to compete that high i hope it doesn't remain mean that the young players aren't very good right let's no, not no. come to that conclusion they got lucky this last year <laughs> well and plus i was playing with john hyden for the last four yeah. years before that so no but i think um a lot of the beach volleyball players are better at taking care of themselves than almost any other sport I've seen because we have to do it all on our own. We don't go sit in the training room. I mean, we do have a training room at USA Volleyball, but most of us are doing it on our own, getting massages, foam rolling, stretching, figuring out our diets. That's all on our own. If you're in the NBA, I'm sure you have someone. People are taking care of everything. You're not booking your flights. You're not, you don't even have to stretch yourself half the time, right? You just lay down, the guy picks your leg up. So... I mean, we've we've gotten really good at taking care of ourselves, and we're actually learning all that. Look, this is a huge economy. It's deep. Obviously, it's rich. There's opportunity for anybody to do anything if they do it well and be rewarded financially for it. Volleyball needs to find, collectively, together, the economic uh, formula for success. It's It's there. We have to do it, and we have to realize what is weak and fix it and where the opportunity is and take advantage of it. I mean, there are businesses around the country, around the globe that are just, you know, obscure and weird and they just crank money. And there are others that are big that suffer. Got to get viewers, got to get fans, got to get people engaged, got to get them to stick, got to give them resources, not just volleyball, other stuff, life stuff, you know. How important are the players in that, in like, like you said, we got to reach out social media wise, but like, we're going to be the face of it, right? Yep. So I feel like coming onto the tour, it was like, no one taught me how to be a, you know, the face of a tour or to be good at social media or putting ourselves out there. A lot of it, I feel like, is the players need to be educated in how to do that. I can't educate you on social media. But, right, not um, social media <laughs> specifically, but... But I, I, think, I, think it, I think it starts with um, 
people at some point need to be, have an appreciation for how skilled it is and how athletic it is and how what level. And that's kind of a relative thing. So I don't know if they have to get out and play it a couple times to realize it. I mean, go run around in the sand. It's so funny. Any, a great athlete from any sport can come out to California, go run around in the sand and try to play volleyball. And it's funny how how they look right yeah, great athlete totally just you know they'll realize how skilled it is yeah and i don't know i don't have the answer to it but there, there has got to be a way for people to connect to through the players to have a better appreciation of the sport it's funny you you mentioned that too because gatorade did a commercial shoot with april ross and Gina urango and i think lauren fendrick they played against carl anthony towns and d'angelo russell who are two of the most athletic NBA playing humans on the planet and they just kicked their ass. Yeah. Right. And they looked, I mean, they, they looked, looked like ridiculous. DeAndre Jordan too was playing. And I saw him in like, yeah, a I mean, four these man, are six some man. of the most athletic humans on the planet and they were just, they couldn't do anything on the sand. And it's stuff like that that, that makes you realize like beach volleyball players, <laughs> they're athletes. Super athletic, super skilled. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the NBA 30 or 40 years ago or any sport, MLB, NFL, the players after three or four decades of this incredible financial investment by the economy in terms of paychecks and, and, and such have all these resources you're talking about. They're way better. Sorry, pound for pound. Athletes now in their sport are better than they were 40 years ago. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure volleyball is the same. I'm just saying I can imagine how good volleyball players would be if they had the investment that the NBA has. You kind of made that point already. Right. Which is certainly an exciting prospect, I know, for any of the players listening to it, and that's a large demographic on our podcast. And we've mentioned sort of gamifying it multiple times, but the statistics right there for beach volleyball just aren't there to gamify. Like, you, you literally can't have a fantasy beach volleyball team because there's no accurate representation of the stats. Is that something that you're looking to change a little bit? Yes, and we're working with companies that you already would know and some that you wouldn't. Um, you're, yeah, the fantasy side of it, I think, is I, we haven't studied that. I know there's, a, there's been some votes for something like that. You can, you can have fantasy for any given single tournament, and there's ways to, to accrue points and measure. But, yeah, I don't have the answer to that. Okay. And just in, in terms of, of just growth, I mean, we kind of mentioned, I think we've, we've covered – Almost everything there really is to cover. We haven't talked about politics yet. Except for, except for politics. We do, we do like <laughs> to stay away from the politics on, on the show just because no one wins in those arguments. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we appreciate you taking so much time to come in and talk to us. And it's exciting to have a new player in the game. You know, as someone who I'm not contracted with the AVP, yeah. I just – I love writing about beach volleyball. I love yeah. talking about beach volleyball and I want to see it grow because like we had that figure 46 million, there are 46 million beach volleyball players or fans out there. It's a relatively untapped market. And Agreed. I think it's exciting to see a different approach to it because we haven't seen something like this, like Remember, the, it's the good. Wanderlust Coachella. It, it's good for, it's good for the players. We're focused on the players, but we're trying to get net new. And net new is people that would go to a concert venue or to a health and wellness seminar. And that's how we grow the sport. And the way that we're going to grow the sport with the players is the players are going to unite and they're going to command and demand excellence out of themselves, out of the community, out of the world. And it takes two to tango. And we definitely are going to build a venue and a platform for you to be highly successful. But we need the effort. And I love it. We appreciate, again, you taking so much time, and uh, 
Dave Mace, appreciate you coming on Sandcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me.